Halfwits and Failed Crits presents A World of Guilds, A World of Rifts, A World of Celestial Whales, Frog Brides, and Lots of Boofing. Hail Futhark. This is Worlds Divided. Welcome to the second guild festival here in Holostead. It's a beautiful day, the suns are shining bright, and Grandmaster Nims added a nice touch of sea breeze to the normal enchantments bestowed on this glorious arena. I am Kalazar of the Bronze Thorn, and today I have the pleasure of co-announcing with the talented Isray of the Jolly Roar. Thanks, Kalazar. As we wait for the stands to fill, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Thou's Trows. Have you ever gotten back from a good day of questing and noticed that your downstairs feels like you've had a too-close-for-comfort encounter with a sea hag? Especially since you were only helping a village count their cattle? Say goodbye to that uncomfortable brew with Thou's Trows, the softer-than-soft and drier-than-dry undergarment for even the most active adventurers. Made from the unexpectedly breathable down feathers of a monstrous periton, you'll feel like you aren't wearing anything at all. I even own a few pairs myself. Just today, I got some with a cute owl bear pattern on them. Trust me, I'm a big guy, and feeling fresh after some especially brutal battles has always been an issue for me. And not anymore with those trows. They've changed my life. Hell, the other day I got jumped in a dungeon by some incubi, and even they couldn't get them off of me. And let me tell you, I'm not known for making wise decisions if you catch my drift. So there you have it. Thou's trows better than an incubus. Looks like everybody is just about seated, Isray. Looking down at the construction mages, the arena seems to be about complete as well. Lanes are cleared, jungles overgrown, and summoning circles placed for the buff monsters and lane minions. Last step is erecting the towers and cores. How about we tell the crowd about how the guild festival first came to be while we wait? It all started many years ago, just a year after the end of the first Rift War. The heroes of the Rift War, which include our glorious Grandmasters of Halestead, Geleron, Eryxia, and Nim, wanted a way to commemorate the hard-earned victory and proposed a grand tournament for all of the guilds. In the spirit of bringing all the guilds closer together, each guild was allowed to submit their initiation tests, training regiments, or tales from adventures to be turned into the first stages of the festival, which we saw unfurl the last few days. And if I understand correctly, some of those original tests of skill were being showcased again this time around. I believe it was the one with the flame pole prisoners over a deadly pit. The story goes with that one that it was part of a mind flare's prison. The big pit was there to let the prisoners' minds wander and worry about what could have been in the dark. The candles on top of the poles would illuminate just a little further down in the pit, without revealing too much. Then, the mind flares would trick them into seeing horrible things licking up through the edge of the darkness. That way, the prisoners would associate light with the pit abominations, and not want to be saved if some party would end up finding them, letting in natural light from outside. I'm getting a note from our producer that seems to confirm this is correct, and that the guild who reported this adventure is still competing this year. Members of the Shattershield stumbled upon this hellish scene and solved the puzzle by illuminating the entire bottom of the pit with fire to show that there were no monsters lurking in the dark. Hence why Shattershield did so well at this challenge yesterday. 
I know this is only the second time we've held these games, but maybe the National Guild should look into not bringing back any fan-favorite trials, since this puts newer guilds at a heavy disadvantage. Agreed. Oh, looks like we just gotten word from the barracks below the stadium that both teams are done readying their abilities and are approaching the elevator to the battlefield. So let's tell the crowd about our two competing teams today. The last seed guild, the Syndicate, versus the first seed and returning champions, the First Paradigm. Well, Kalazar, the Syndicate have been creating ripples, well, waves, ever since forming their guild just over a year ago. In no time at all, they rose to rank three just in time to qualify to participate in the guild festival. They have come a long way from rooting out bullywug dens and failing to close their first rift even earning them the title of Revokers of Rifts in the last few months. A title only shared by those in the first paradigm. Is that a rivalry I sense forming? Anyway, the four guildmasters of the syndicate are rising to the arena now. First up, we see Adriel, a tiefling rogue whose sharp tongue and cold demeanor can rival even that of her daggers. Her registered abilities include From Most Frequently Available to Least, Throwing Daggers, Smoke Bombs, chemical bombs, flight, and an auto-crit assassination. Next up, you know her, you love her. She's kept a barstool warm for most of us here, our favorite ranger wood elf, Anya. Today, she's kept at her side the trusty blink dog named Pants. Her uncanny ability to slink away into a fog, her alluring flute, her silent longbow, and the head of an alpha winter wolf that she keeps as a rather intimidating trophy. She is beauty, she is grace, but this high elf druid isn't afraid to spray poison in your face. Give it up for Malara. Her tactical mind is at play today with her poison spray, entangle, mass cure wounds, conjure minor elemental, and the ever unpredictable wild shape. And last but certainly not least, the biggest orc you ever did see, standing at over eight feet tall, raised by bears, decked out in the heads of his slain enemies. And look at that, he dyed them to match their guild colors. The bloodthirsty Nick's turn. Today, he's bringing out all the physical powers of a master fighter with parries, charging attacks, grapple holds, second wind, and his signature battle roar. And rising to the arena now are the one, the only, the first paradigm. This is definitely the favorite to win the whole shebang and defending champions of the paradigm arena. For those new here, the first Paradigm wasn't always their name. It's one that they adopted after winning the Paradigm Tournament of the Hollistead Guild Festival. They used to be known as the Noble Vanguard and were previously led by our Grand Masters. Let's take a look at this new generation of leadership. First is a member that has been around since the days of the old Noble Vanguard, Lorestina. This Dragonborn Barbarian fighter was once the young apprentice of Grand Master Orixia. With the dexterity of a caudle and a strength of a galabder, she will be no simple obstacle for the syndicate to overcome. Today, she will be showcasing her riposte, charging attack, primal spirit, hook sword trip, and her signature ability, the Storm Queen's Wrath. Next up is the newest member of the First Paradigm's Elite, Chrysuviel, the half-orc druid. This suave member is letting his ego run wild as he seems to be directly calling out his opponent Malara by choosing many similar skills. In what will surely prove who the most devastating druid of Hollistead really is, Chrysuviel has opted for Entangle, Cure Wounds, Poison Spray, Conjure Minor Elemental, and Wild Shape. We can't wait to see which one chose the better order of ability frequency when these titans clash. 
What's this? The third pedestal seems to be empty. Wait a moment. No, there he is. It's Marvin, the halfling rogue, reappearing after already letting the taunts fly by showing off his invisibility trick. Whenever Marvin is within close range of an ally, he can become invisible. The syndicate will have to work hard to separate the pack so that he doesn't become an unstoppable force. His abilities are Shadow Stepper, Pepper Bomb, Uncanny Reflex, Disguise Self, and Contract Killer. And here he is, the man of the hour. All rise for the judge, jury, and executioner of evil. The first guildmaster of the paradigm since Galeron himself. The paladin of protection. The one, the only, Norian. Norian is a true leader, taking no offensive abilities, instead opting to be the immovable object to the syndicate's force. He's chosen ally link, compel duel, blinding light, luminous bonds, and ancient life. This is sure to be an explosive battle. Who did you bet on, Kalazar? As much as I enjoy shaking things up, I enjoy my money more. Safe bet here is definitely the first paradigm. Not only are they a high-ranking guild with loads more experience and adventures under their belt, they also have Loristina, and that's just borderline unfair. She's a monster on and off the battlefield, and I expect to see big things from her. Well, I have a soft spot for the underdog. I'm looking forward to congratulating the Syndicate on their victory while sitting atop a luxurious palanquin outside the doors of what I hear is the fastest-growing adult establishment, the Sudsy Scales. All expenses paid by my dear colleague and hopefully not a sore loser, Kalazar. Good luck to us both, Israe, because the first match of the second-ever Paradigm Tournament has just begun! Now, while we have a few minutes before the competitors really clash, let's explain the rules of Paradigm quickly. Especially for those in Salerstead and Glittenstead who are likely only hearing this over speaking stones, since scrying glasses don't have great connection between the kingdoms. First, let's describe the arena. It is largely diamond-shaped, with three paths or lanes that travel up the left, center, and right sides of the diamond from point to point. In between the left and center... And right and center lanes are two areas completely overgrown that we call the jungle. In the jungle, there are quicker pathways to other lanes, along with some bonus encounters to spread throughout. On the two farthest points of the diamond are where the competitors rose up from earlier. There is an object there that the opposing team has to break to win the match. Now, this object is tough, so they are going to need help of the minions that we summon onto the field to break that object. Simple enough, the more minions at the opposing base, the easier it will be to destroy it and win. But here's the catch. The minions can only march down the three lanes, and each lane is guarded by enemy obelisks that damage anything that comes close to them. Each team will have to try and attack these obelisks to make progress towards their opponent's base, and defend their own obelisk to prevent the opponent from getting to their own base. That's about all we have time to explain, because the first bits of conflict are already underway. On the Syndicate side, we have Adriel already in their left-hand jungle, who just defeated the encounter that grants a temporary damage boost. Great for a rogue looking to pick off kills of weakened opponents from battles in the lanes. Speaking of which, a battle already looks to be underway in the left-side lane between Loristina and Nixturn. Right away, the two brawny fighters are sizing each other up and preparing to engage in the first major clash of guildmasters in the whole festival. And off they go. Nixturn is already using his charge to close the gap and get aggressive. But oh, Loristina breaks the hook sword trip right away, knocking Nixturn to the ground. Speaking of aggressive, both Malara and Anya are taking the middle lane and trying to get Crisuviel in the immediate defense. And it's working. Both Anya and Malara have ranged attacks and Crisuviel isn't getting much of an opportunity to poke back as he stands behind his obelisk. 
This is a smart play on both teams, since it gives the Syndicate an early field advantage over the first paradigm. But also, Cresuvial playing it cool is keeping two members occupied with him when... The Syndicate should really be paying attention to the far right lane where Norian has hunkered down and is slowly killing off minions, and working his way to the Syndicate's obelisk while completely uncontested. The Syndicate is going to need to pay attention to Norian sooner rather than later, or at least pick off Cresuvial to force Norian out of his comfort lane. Now, interestingly, we haven't seen heads or furry halfling feet of Marvin of the First Paradigm. There's a good chance that his passive ability, Shadow Stepper, is currently active, letting him hide in the shadows of one of his allies. This is going to be a rude awakening for the Syndicate if they can't figure that out soon. Speaking of rogues, Adriel has made her way to a clearing in the left lane, waiting for a good opportunity to ambush Loristina once Nixturn can get the edge on her. Nixturn takes a few attacks from Loristina, but ultimately opts not to stand, but employs his grapple to hopefully immobilize her. And it works! Bringing Loristina down to the ground with him, Adriel takes this opportunity to leap from the jungle and use her throwing daggers with the damage boost from the earlier jungle kill. A solid hit! Over in the middle, Malara is holding her own under the opposing team's first obelisk and now has a large group of minions at her disposal. Anya has begun to move to the right lane and put some pressure back on Norian, who continues to push on uninterrupted. Now entering the Syndicate's first obelisk territory and getting in some hits himself. Back in the middle, Cresuviel decides to get into the fray and goes after Malara with an entangle. Malara deftly saves and the first obelisk of the game is taken down. What goes around comes around and Anya gets to the right lane just as Norian takes an obelisk for the first paradigm as well. Let's check in on the left lane with Nixter and Adriel and Loristina. It looks like Loristina has gotten back to her feet, almost freeing herself from Nixter's mighty grasp, but it looks like he still has a hold. We see a head nod from Nixtern to Adriel. And what's that? It looks like one of Adriel's chemical bombs is being chucked into the fray. Stupid, brave, or quite a lot of both, it seems Nixtern took the hit from Adriel's area of effectability intentionally to make sure that Loristina took the hit. We've talked about Loristina's mastery in combat before, so this is a good calculated move by the Syndicate. If Loristina is allowed to get the upper hand, the tides of this battle will drastically shift out of the Syndicate's favor. Looks like that might not matter, Isray. Look into the haze created by that chemical cloud. Flicks of bright purple are emanating from its center, and the crowd is going wild. I'm unsure how much exposure Nixtern and Adriel have to witnessing Loristina fight, but what's happening right now is the first of two stages of her ultimate ability, the Storm Queen's Wrath. Back to Isray for middle and right coverage while I watch left to make sure that we don't miss what's about to go down. Well, Kalazar, Norian took some heavy hits from both Anya and her companion Pants. Both seem to be taking swings at each other, while Norian seems to be making steps toward the middle lane, attempting to draw Anya's attention away from the Paradigm minions, slowly making their way to the Syndicate's second right lane obelisk. Over in the middle, we see Malara getting amped up and pressing onward, keeping Cresuvial on his toes. Oh, but there he is! Marvin was in fact using Shadow Stepper to hide with Cresuvial, and the two immediately go on the offense in a 2v1 that is not in the Syndicate's favor. Okay, quick everyone, let's get back over to left lane where a pressure wave has dispersed the chemicals around Nixer and Loristina as Loristina crackles with purple lightning through her now flexing scales. Watch it as it moves from her extremities up through her chest and neck, and here it is, folk, the Storm Queen's Wrath. A massive chain lightning breath that lets out a deafening roar and catches Nixtern square in the chest. That's not all. If she makes her target, the Storm Queen's Wrath jumps to the next nearest target, and Adriel also gets hit square in the chest, both taking massive amounts of damage. 
It looks like they might both go down. Nickstern holds his ground with second win while Adriel retreats to the base to heal up from such a devastating blow. But don't count Adriel out just now. Normally, the walk back from base really kills a person's time on the field. But Adriel has the ace card of being able to burn both her flight and assassinate abilities to get right back in the fray as long as the syndicate can seriously wound one of the paradigm enough to make them a target for Adriel's ultimate. And that's likely going to happen right now. Malara feeling the pressure of the 2v1 and hearing the recent destruction of an obelisk and the cracking of the Storm Queen's wrath has decided to take back the advantage. With a quick volley, she uses her poison spray to disorient Marvin and Chrysuviel, casting Entangle to root them in place, and here it comes, the Wild Shape. Regardless of the choice here, Marvin and Chrysuvia will be in trouble. And boy are they ever, as Malara has chosen the form of a Red Dragon. Our lawful good druid seems to be out for revenge as she rears back that mighty head and unleashes a cone of fire on Marvin and Chrysuviel. A critical hit! Marvin is either down or taking the opportunity to hide, and Chrysuviel uses the last of his energy to also wild sheep into a dragon as well. Looks like a white dragon for Chrysuviel. He rears his head back, but it's already too late. Adriel has recovered, and here comes the signature flight and assassinate move. Her assassinations are always a critical hit, and the already wounded Chrysuviel does in fact go down with a dagger to the throat, spewing a blizzard of cold as he de-wild shapes and is teleported back to base for safe healing. This is already shaping up to be an intense battle, Kalazar, and we're only in the first few minutes. While the teams group up for a push with the momentum they gained, let's head to a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to that skit that we wrote in place of an actual recording. Reason I had to do that is because I actually made a big battle map and had movement rules and played like a real strategy game that resulted in some of the moments that we just recapped. Uh, But it was nearly impossible to listen to since it was definitely not made with a listenership in mind. It would be a lot like listening to us play chess for 12 hours since we did have to take two extra long sessions to even finish this. So I'm just going to summarize the important parts now to get you caught up for going into the next episode, which is the first episode of the last arc of our World's Divided campaign. After a few more scuffles in both the first paradigm and the Syndicate's favor, the Syndicate got an opening to, to attack a camp in the jungle that spawned a giant beast that would have roamed the lanes with them had they beat it and taken down some of the paradigm's obelisks. However, when they got to that location, Norian was already there. He hadn't noticed that the Syndicate was sneaking up on the camp's entrance, so Anya cast fog so they could sneak in and ambush him. Once they rolled through the fog and got a better view of what Norian was doing, they realized that Norian was pushing the beast back through a rift and was attempting to close the rift around the beast to quickly kill it, causing the lane beast to spawn on the Paradine side. And he was doing this with a rift ring of his own, just like Nyxtern's rift ring. They immediately attack Norian, and Nyxtern uses his ring to try and keep the rift open so that Norian couldn't quick kill the beast. Norian, using his ancient life ability, absorbed all the damage that they were throwing at him, biding time for the rest of the first paradigm to get over to the camp in the jungle where the conflict was happening. Seeing what was going on, Norian gave the first paradigm the signal to clear out all of Anya's fog so that the crowd could once again get a look at what was happening in the beast camp. As soon as the fog cleared, Norian hid his rift ring and stopped trying to close the rift, just in time for the announcers and the whole stadium and the whole kingdom to see what looked like Nickstern opening a rift. Once the crowd has enough time to gasp at what now looks a lot like a terrorist inquisition, considering the entire purpose of Holoset and the National Guilds are to stop the opening of rifts, 
Norian and the other first paradigm act the part of the hero again, stopping the games and tackling the syndicate into Riftworld, away from the eyes of the crowd. A real battle takes place in Riftworld on a bridge-like structure over a bottomless pit. The first paradigm versus syndicate, no skills barred. After the syndicate gets fairly beat up, the first paradigm knocks a group of them into the pit, but Adriel tries to catch her falling friends as she flies. Chrysuviel, back in dragon form, tail attacks Adriel hard in the back and wings, and with a failed constitution save, she gets the wind knocked out of her, and our party free falls into the abyss, consumed by the Rift World. Thanks to Kylie for reading this with me. You are welcome. Thanks for listening, and we hope you are ready for the final arc in just a few weeks.